Hey there, Orioles fans. Today is Wednesday, March 30th, 2022, and welcome back in to the Locked On Orioles podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. As always, I'm your host, Connor Newcomb, and coming up on today's episode, we're going to take a look at the Orioles 40-man roster, specifically the fact that the 40-man is currently full for the O's, but they're going to have to make at least one move at some point because there's only one catcher on the 40-man roster. And there may be other non-roster invitee guys who make the opening day roster. There might be waiver claims that come up for the Orioles later, you know, this week or next week where they have to take somebody off the 40-man. So we wanted to take a look at whose 40-man roster spot is in the most danger for the Orioles as we get closer and closer to opening day. We'll talk about which pitchers could be in danger, three of them, which three hitters might be in danger, and why those spots may not be available anymore. Then we'll hit a little bit of Orioles and baseball news and notes at the end here on this episode of the Locked On Orioles podcast. You are Locked On Orioles, your daily Baltimore Orioles podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. So the Orioles 40-man roster is full. And that means sometimes when you make any kind of move, you have to take someone off the 40-man. So we'll get to what that could mean for current guys on the 40-man roster in just a second. But first, I just wanted to thank you guys. Thank, thank you, the listener, for making Locked On Orioles your first listen of the day. Locked On Orioles is free and available on all podcast listening platforms, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play, wherever you listen. And we're the only O's podcast out there bringing you content five days a week. We are five days a week here, all the way through the end of the season and beyond. So we thank you so much for listening in. And remember, of course, the podcast is now on YouTube. As you can see right here, you can see me. We are on YouTube. And why don't you go ahead and hit that red subscribe button below if you are watching on YouTube. If you're watching on audio right now, you don't have to do it right now, but when you get a chance, if you could head over to YouTube and hit that subscribe button as well. It really helps. We are over 100 subscribers on YouTube already. We thank you so much for that. So like the videos, comment on the videos, your thoughts about what I'm talking about via the Orioles, and make sure to subscribe to the YouTube page as well. That obviously really really helps out the podcast. Once again, just wanted to thank you for making Locked on Orioles your first listen of the day. And again, for your first listen today, we're talking Orioles 40-man roster. And this was actually brought up by Orioles Statistics on Twitter. Thanks for the, uh, the, the hat tip there. As just a potential question to talk about on this episode. And I thought about it, and I came to the conclusion, this is actually pretty important to talk about because you look at the Orioles 40-man roster right now, and, you know, some years you could pick out an entire opening day roster. Obviously, it's now 28 guys, so a little expanded, from your 40-man roster. But that's not something the Orioles can do this year because, as we've talked about, the Orioles didn't have a catcher on the 40-man all offseason. Now they do with Robinson Chirinos, and that's great. He signs a one-year major league deal. He got put on the roster, and he was the 40th player. But you need two catchers. And whether it's... You know, the slight chance that it could be Adley Rutschman still probably won't be with the injury. Or it's, you know, the guys we think it's going to be, either Jacob Nottingham or Anthony Benboom or potentially Bo Taylor. Or maybe a real dark horse candidate like Brett Cumberland. But it's not going to be. It's going to be, I think it's Nottingham. That's still my guess. Jacob Nottingham will be the backup catcher on opening day. Could be Benboom because he's a lefty, but I'll go Nottingham. But either way, 
Those players are both on minor league deals, non-roster invites to spring training, which means they're not on the 40-man roster. So even if the Orioles took the rest of their players on the 28-man from the 40-man, they would still have to add one player in whoever that backup catcher is. And so you have to make a move on the 40-man roster. And when you look up and down the 40-man, it's not kind of littered with as many expendable guys as it was at times during the 2021 season. That's kind of how things happen. You know, you actually end up with kind of a 40-man roster of guys you really want to keep in the offseason. And then during the season, things just happen where you end up with more kind of expendable guys, especially if you're the Orioles. Obviously, it happens because there's injuries. Guys get put on the 60-day injured list. They come off the 40-man. You get more expendable guys on there instead. And there were definitely a lot of expendable guys on the Orioles 40-man last year, as we saw when they cut a lot of them off the 40-man roster at the end of the season. But the question becomes, who is most expendable? So I want to talk about three pitchers and three hitters who potentially, potentially could be in danger of losing their roster spot. So let's start with the hitters here because if we're adding a hitter, because even if it's just one hitter, it's the backup catcher, say it's Jacob Nottingham, maybe it would make more sense to take off a hitter. Now, not necessarily because you wouldn't be taking off a catcher because you only have the one catcher there, but let's start with hitters. So I power ranked the top three options. I think, to potentially be in danger of coming off the 40-man roster. And let's start with number three, and that is Rugned Odor. Now, for some people, that's going to be a little surprising, and for others, maybe not so much. Here's kind of the argument that Odor might not have as much of a locked-up spot as we think. Obviously, he signed a one-year major league deal back before the lockout. He's been a big league player for six or seven years now. So it wouldn't be too surprising for him to stick on the Orioles this year. I mean, he was the first big league signing they made this offseason. But at the end of the day, is he really worth it to keep on this roster? I know he's only, you know, 28 years old, but he's not as versatile as the rest of these infielders. You look at the infield group the Orioles have right now, and you could argue that he's the least versatile infielder. Now, a guy like Kelvin Gutierrez has really only played third base, but he's so good at third base that I kind of take him out of this conversation. Ramon Arias can play second, short, and third. Jorge Mateo, second, short, third, and the outfield. Chris Owings, literally every position. Richie Martin, he can play a little second. He's mostly just a shortstop, but but he's the only real true shortstop. Even a guy like Shed Long, who we haven't really seen yet, plays second, plays third, plays the corner outfield. Ryland Bannon plays third, plays second. Jemai Jones plays second, plays the outfield. All these guys are versatile. Odor really isn't. And I know he played second and third last year, but when he talked to the media earlier this spring, he talked about how the Yankees really pushed him to play third base because that's what they needed him to do. And he talked about how he wasn't really comfortable playing third. He'd rather just play second. And the Orioles have enough guys who would rather just play second, but they have to move around the diamond anyway. So there's one thing. Maybe he just doesn't fit into the team. And secondly, I get that Odor was good early in his career with Texas. He's a major league player. The Orioles don't have a lot of legitimate major league players in the 40-man right now. But, you know, you look at last year, about 360 plate appearances with the Yankees, hit 202, but just a 286 on base. Now, he did hit 15 home runs in less than 400 plate appearances. So the power was still there, but obviously in a very small ballpark in New York. But again, to have just a 286 on base, I mean, if you're going to be a major league hitter and you're going to hit 202, that can still be okay if that on base percentage at the very least is above 300, at the very least. And his at 286 
And remember, he struck out a lot, and that means he didn't really walk as much as he should have. So at the end of the day, you look at that, plus maybe an unwillingness to play third base, especially on an Orioles team. You know, maybe on a Yankees team, you know, he's coming into that team off waivers, you know, kind of signed when they needed to, to fill a hole. It's a playoff team. It's, it's you know, maybe not a super veteran team, but they've been around the block. So Odor kind of slides into whatever role they want. When he comes to Baltimore, you know, he's still kind of young, but he's older than a lot of these guys. He's been around a lot more. He's one of the only guys who's played in a playoff game on this team. He probably has a different standing, so he maybe has a little bit more leeway to say, I don't want to play third. But at the end of the day, he's more valuable to the Orioles if he can play second and third, and obviously if he can hit a little better than he has recently in his career. But he's also one for 11 this spring. Now, to be fair to him, only one of those outs has been via the strikeout. He's drawn one walk, but he's one for 11. And again, that's a mega small sample size in spring training, so we're not putting too much on that, but... Maybe it doesn't hurt his case because you're not really looking at stats, but it certainly doesn't help his case in this scenario. So that's why I'd put him at number three. And the Orioles really aren't paying him any money. You know, the Rangers and the Yankees are combining to pay what he's owed. They're just basically paying him the veteran minimum. So wouldn't hurt them that much if they felt like a younger option was better. I wouldn't be super surprised. Number two on the list of who could be in DFA danger off the 40-man. I mentioned him already. Kelvin Gutierrez. Now, this is a guy who I think will make the opening day roster. I think he'll be playing third base on opening day in Tampa. And he has elite defense at third base, but you got to remember, he's already been DFA'd by the Royals. That happened last year. That's why the Orioles were able to claim him on waivers. And he hasn't been the best offensive player. I mean, he played 47 games with the Orioles last year after coming over Kansas City. Hit 248, 327 on base, two homers. That's pretty good. But that's like the best offensive stretch he's put up in his career. And that was only because he ended the season really, really strong. He was really good down the stretch in September at the plate and in the field. That's why I think he really has you know, this good a standing with the Orioles. But if they think you know, in spring training or they just think he can't hit and they'd rather put a, a Ryland Bannon, a Jorge Mateo, a Ramon Arias, even a Rugnet Odor at third, I don't think it's out of the question. And at the end of the day, you know, you're going to hear my argument. You're going to think, well, you made a better argument for Odor. Wouldn't he be at at second on this list and Gutierrez third? I get that. But the fact that Gutierrez has already been DFA'd by a bad baseball team when the Royals DFA'd him in the middle of last season, I think kind of puts him above Odor. And I get Odor was kind of cast away by the Rangers as well. But Odor has more of a history of hitting and being an average defender. And Gutierrez, an elite defender, is great, but doesn't have that history of a bat, not as much of an established player. And he's not, you know, a guy who's just signed a major league free agent deal. He's a guy who came over on waivers. It wasn't like he was drafted by Michael Elias or anything. I think he'd be okay waving him. I don't think it's going to happen, but I think he could be number two. And number one, maybe this is a little more hopeful just because of roster balance. It's something we've talked about, but... I'll put number one in DFA danger on the 40-man roster in terms of hitters as DJ Stewart. Now, it helps him a little bit that Yusniel Diaz has been sent to minor league camp and he's not going to be on the opening day roster. But for DJ Stewart, it's hurting him that he's not playing right now. Got hit in the hand with that pitch almost a week ago. Has not appeared in a spring training game since then. Orioles said, you know, it, it wasn't a fracture. Got the x-rays, just a bruise. But he's still not back out there. Hit 204 last year. 324 on base was good. Had the 12 homers in about 100 games. But there's all this outfield competition. And Santander and Hayes and Mullins. And I honestly think McKenna, too. Remember, I called Ryan McKenna a lock to make the opening day roster on Monday's episode. Go check that one out on Monday when I 
predicted, did my first prediction of the Orioles 28-player opening day roster. But that's four outfield locks. And they're probably going to keep a fifth outfielder when it's 28 players. And Eusebio Diaz is no longer in that conversation. But Kyle Stowers is still there. He's still in big league camp. And Michael Elias said any of the 44 players left in big league camp are officially in a roster battle. That means Kyle Stowers still has a chance, maybe, to make the opening day roster for the Orioles. And don't forget that Jorge Mateo can play the outfield. Chris Owings can play the outfield. And Tyler Nevin is kind of an outfielder, and he's still in big league camp. And I really like Tyler Nevin, and I think the Orioles like Tyler Nevin. So if Nevin or even Stowers or one of these guys just did enough to go on the team and Stewart was dealing with the lingering injury, we've seen a lot of DJ Stewart. I get he was a first-round pick of the Orioles, but not by Michael Elias. We've seen a lot of Stewart. At the end of the day, have they seen enough? And maybe it comes to the point where they look at the outfield, they say, we have three legitimate starting outfielders. It's the least question marks on this roster with Hayes in left, Mullins in center, Santander, right? We have the perfect mold of a fourth outfielder and Ryan McKenna on this team. If the DJ Stewart spot is going to be the 28th man who gets some pinch hit at bats and starts once a week, we kind of already know what we have in DJ Stewart. So why not at least give that chance to a Tyler Nevin or maybe not have the true fifth outfielder and allow them to keep Chris Owings who can play the outfield and be more of a utility. Whereas DJ Stewart is a terrible fielder. Owings is not an elite fielder, but he's pretty good. And he plays all three outfield positions and all four infield positions basically. So at the end of the day, a lot of those guys are more valuable to the team maybe than DJ Stewart. And maybe this could be the end for Stewart. If the Orioles have to make a DFA decision. But those are the three hitters who could be in DFA limbo potentially when at the very least the Orioles do have to add their backup catch to the 40-man and they have to DFA at least one player when they do that. But it could also be a pitcher because there are a lot of pitchers still on this 40-man roster. And we will talk about next the three pitchers who I think are maybe most likely to be DFA'd if that scenario arises. But first, let's talk about athletic greens. Because this next product in Athletic Greens that we're going to talk about, literally use it every day. I started taking Athletic Greens because I just wanted better gut health. I wanted a better immune system. Obviously, that's something everyone's looking for right now. And I, I wanted some more energy. I got a podcast five days a week. I just felt like I needed a little more energy. And Athletic Greens, you know, they really help you. So what is it? You just take a scoop of AG1, Athletic Greens, and you're absorbing 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, whole foods source, superfoods, probiotics, and adaptogens to help you start your day right. And it helps with many things in your body. It's lifestyle friendly. It fits in with any kind of diet, no nasty chemicals, and it supports better sleep, recovery, mental clarity. Athletic Greens can help with it all. And it has over 7,000 five-star reviews. Professional athletes have recommended this stuff. This is, this is the real deal. And right now, it's time to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition. It's just one scoop in a cup of water every day. That's it. No need for a million different pills and supplements to look out for your health. And to make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash MLB network. Again, that is athleticgreens.com slash MLB network to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. So speaking of some insurance you might need, 
The Orioles are looking for a, a little insurance in terms of, of starting pitching, just pitchers in general. You know, which guys they want to keep on this roster to help out these younger starters they're going to go with. And, you know, we talked about how there's definitely going to be a catcher added to the roster, so at least one player is going to get DFA'd before the season starts. But it could even be more, because when you think about some of the non-roster invitees in camp, you know, like Spencer Watkins, still in camp. Connor Green, still in camp. Chris Ellis is still in camp. And these are guys who are not on the 40-man roster. And I don't think all of them would make the team, but I see a serious scenario where a guy like Chris Ellis, just with his starting ability being like kind of a bridge guy, the success he had with the Orioles last year, you know, they just brought him back on a minor league deal. I think it's very plausible that Chris Ellis could make the Orioles opening day roster. He's not on the 40-man. He's a minor league deal, non-roster invite. So if you put Chris Ellis on the roster and you put your backup catcher, that means you have to DFA two guys. So let's look at pitchers, the top three pitchers who may be in DFA limbo. And let's start with uh, an interesting name to talk about in Keegan Aiken. He is my number three on my list of pitchers who could be DFA'd by the Orioles before opening day. Now, again, former top 30 prospect of the Orioles, was really good in AAA, came up and had a good start to his major league career in 2020. I get all that. But what have we seen since then? A terrible season last year. 6.63 6.63 ERA in 95 big league innings for Aiken last year. They tried to move him to the bullpen at the end of the year. It didn't get any better. In spring training so far, two appearances, two and a third innings, four runs, four hits, four Ks, five walks, and two long balls allowed. He's looked terrible. Remember, he was terrible in spring training last year. He was coming off the pretty solid end of the year in 2020 when he came up. We thought he was a lock for the rotation to start 2021. And then he couldn't throw a strike in spring training, couldn't get anybody out last year. And he started the season in AAA. He was not on the opening day roster for the Orioles that last year because he was that bad. Could it happen again? Now, he still has options. He still has options. So the Orioles do not have to DFA him. They don't want to put him on the opening day roster. They can simply option him to AAA Norfolk, let him get in the rotation there, get some work in, and they do not have to take him off the 40-man roster and don't have to waive him. But... If you look at all the factors, an ERA of almost seven last year, and not a small sample size, 95 innings, as a starter and a reliever, two different roles, terrible in back-to-back springs. Vaccination status a question on this team, especially with a guy like Trey Mancini, but especially in a year where it matters even more because you need to be vaccinated to play against a divisional opponent in the Blue Jays where the Orioles are going to go there for 10 games this season. That's a nice little chunk of the season. And with his inability to get guys out, really since the 2020 season, yeah, maybe it would be a, a bad move because he still has options and the easy thing would be to just send it down to AAA. And on my opening day roster prediction episode Monday, I predicted Keegan Aiken would miss the opening day roster, but I didn't say he'd get DFA. And I thought because he has options, he would just start the year in AAA Norfolk. And that's why he's number three on the list, not number one of the pitchers who could be DFA because he still has options. But... If you really want to open a spot and you just want to give a spot to a better pitcher and you just kind of want to move on from this Keegan Aiken thing, I wouldn't be totally against it. So he's number three on the list. Number two on the list is actually a guy who's done well in spring training, but this is just kind of a little more circumstantial. CNL Perez is my number two on this list. Now, I get that he's been good. Three scoreless appearances in spring training. He's looked pretty good. He's a left-handed pitcher. He has major league experience, both the Astros when he was younger and, you know, more of a chunk of experience with the Reds last year. But 
You got to remember, he had some pretty bad stats with Cincinnati last year. In total in his major league career since 2019, he has a 6.04 career ERA in 50 and two-thirds MLB innings. Now, it's not a huge sample size, but it's not good. And there's a reason why the Astros, he was a a ranked prospect. Not a top, top prospect, but a prospect. And the Astros called him up, and they let him go. And there's a reason why the Cincinnati Reds, who aren't exactly paying players right now and are kind of tearing things down, and he's a guy on a cheap contract, there's a reason why the Cincinnati Reds DFA'd him in the fall and the Orioles were able to claim him before the lockout. He hasn't been great at the major league level, so I get what they see in him. The high spin fastball, he's got a good breaking ball if he can throw it for a strike ever. But you've got a lot of lefties. You've got Paul Fry and Tanner Scott, probably both going to be the bullpen. You've got you know guys like Alexander Wells and Zach Lowther and maybe Keegan Aiken, who are all in kind of you know, AAA MLB flux, but are also reliever versus starter flux, and they're all left-handers. you got a lot of lefties in the rotation anyway. And you also got guys like Nick Vespi, who, yeah, they're going to start the year in AAA, but they're going to be knocking on the door to get to the big league bullpen. you got D.L. Hall. Maybe he'll come up to the big league bullpen at some point. you got other guys like that. So at the end of the day, with all the lefty starters, is that too many lefties in the bullpen? And again, I predicted Perez to make the opening day roster on Monday's Opening day roster prediction 1.0 episode. Go Make sure to go check that one out uh, anywhere you get your podcasts and here on YouTube as well. But, you know, he's already been DFA'd by two other teams. He hasn't even pitched a game with the Orioles because he was claimed earlier this offseason. Michael Elias has shown that he will easily claim someone and then DFA them again. Remember, he did it to Lucius Fox, the infielder, within a week earlier this offseason. Did it with a guy in, you know, Carson Fulmer couple seasons ago, did it with Connor Green and then got him back last year. I mean, he's not as attached to these guys he's just claiming, especially if they don't show as much. And yes, he's been good in spring training, but the fact that there's that many other lefties and he's already been DFA'd a couple of times, he hasn't been an Oriole for that long. I don't think it would be that surprising. If you remember a guy last offseason, Ashton Godot, who the Orioles claimed off waivers from the Rockies, a right-handed pitcher, he made it a couple months in the offseason, and then he was DFA'd by the Orioles again. They don't have a problem of with claiming guy early in the offseason, DFAing him late in the offseason. They've done it before. They'll do it again. I think that's why he's number two on the list. But number one on the list is another guy the Orioles kind of recently claimed on waivers. That's Joey Crable. You know, the Orioles claimed him off waivers from the Rays at the end of last year. And he came in, and he threw seven and third innings, and he struck out five, and he walked four in 2021 in, you know, very small sample size at, at the end of September with the Orioles. And I thought, you know, hey, there's a reason they're holding on to this guy. They kind of claimed him at the same time as Brooks Krisky, if you remember him. And Krisky ended up getting released earlier this offseason. But Crable stuck around. Now he's pitched in two spring training games, and the first one went really poorly. He got one out, allowed three runs on four hits with a K and a walk in his first spring training outing. So that's not great. But he's got some interesting stuff. But the reason he's number one on this list is, A, he hasn't been an Oriole that long, seven and a third innings last year after being claimed. B, not a good spring training so far. C, there's a million pitchers. I just listed out all the lefties. There's a bunch of righties, too. They're trying to get into this bullpen. Orioles have a million guys who are their prospects to get a look at. And maybe they need to get a look at them more than Joey Crable. And three, he's a 29-year-old rookie. He didn't get to the big leagues till last year with Tampa Bay. He was 28 years old. He's 29 now. It's not like he's this young guy with a lot of promise. Maybe he still does have promise. He has plenty of years of baseball ahead of him. But there's a reason why he's a 29-year-old rookie. And the stuff is good, but it's not super electric. And at the end of the day, again, I like the pitchers we get from the Rays. That's always a good thing to do. 
But because he was such a late waiver claim, because I think there's guys passing over him, and he's just not an Oriole, really, and I think it makes it easier to DFA him, I think of all the guys we've picked right here, he's actually going to be my selection right now. If the Orioles only have one move to make, and that move is add your second catcher, presumably Jacob Nottingham, to the roster, I think Joey Crable, that's going to be my prediction, will be the DFA. But there could be more guys they have to do, whether they add a Chris Ellis or they add, you know, as I talked about, some guys on waivers, which they've done over the past couple of years, right before opening day. You add a guy that, that comes along that's another roster cut on waivers. But I think Joey Crable would be the number one guy, and that's why he's my number one among the pitchers. But that's what it looks like for the Orioles 40-man roster-wise. There's going to be at least one move. Again, they have to add that second catcher, so somebody's going to be gone. My prediction is Crable, but it could be more, and it could be any of those six names I just talked about. But we'll talk about a few more names to finish up the pod in just a second. But first, got to talk about Built Bar, because Built Bar is just the perfect snack. And if you know, you're taking a little break in podcasting like this, or I just need to refuel for another pod tomorrow night, Built Bar, the perfect thing to do it with, because it tastes like a candy bar. It's so delicious. You forget you're eating a protein bar. Then you remember, oh, wait, this is good for me. This is helping me. Just 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, 4 net carbs, 17 grams of protein. That's the big thing. But it doesn't taste like those cardboard, styrofoam, other protein bars. This is delicious. All the bars are covered in 100% real chocolate. And you get much less calories than your regular candy bar, but you get the same flavors like mint brownie, coconut, white chocolate cookies and cream, peanut butter brownie. They're delicious. So to get your hands on some of these bars, go to Built.com. Use the promo code LOCKED15, and you'll get 15% off your order. Again, that is promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at Built.com. So I wanted to finish up here today just with a couple of news and notes here. Orioles got the day off in spring training on Tuesday. Good for them. I'm sure they enjoyed themselves. They are back in action on Wednesday in spring training. But not much Orioles news, but just a couple of things to get to. First, Adley Rutschman, interestingly enough, today is the two-week mark from when the Orioles announced that Rutschman would be sidelined for two to three weeks, at least shut down for two to three weeks with that triceps injury. So there's nothing saying he will be back today because the two weeks was on the very low end. They're probably going to play it safer than that. But the, the front end of the time frame has passed. So at the very least, you can start to imagine Adley Rutschman being back to baseball shortly. And that's that's pretty exciting. A couple other things to go over. You know, I talked about how the Orioles might have to make a 40-man roster move, not just because of adding a catcher, but because you would think they'd be active on the waiver wire. And I've seen a good amount of players over the last week or so get DFA'd, a bunch of interesting infielders that seem to fit the Orioles' bill, a couple of pitchers that they maybe would have gone after. And seemingly the Orioles haven't obviously claimed any of them to this point. So... I just found it was interesting. I thought Mike Elias would have claimed one of these guys at this point, but he hasn't. And it makes you wonder, is he more content maybe with the current 40 man and he won't be as active on the waiver wire? I I think no matter what, between now and maybe like the f- end of the first week of the season, Mike Elias will claim at least one player on waivers. I would be willing to put money on that. But I'm maybe not as confident as I was in the past. I maybe don't think it'll be multiple players like I thought in the past, which is interesting. And maybe that means the major league roster is incrementally getting better, hopefully, because they didn't sign major league free agents to make it better. I'll tell you that. But maybe there's at least more talent that they have hope for on the current 40 man. They're not as willing to just 
claim somebody and throw somebody else off the 40-man roster like the guys we talked about earlier in this episode. So just found that interesting. And then to finish up, I talked about on yesterday's episode, uh, we talked a lot about the starting pitching, DL Hall's spring training debut. Again, that was Tuesday's episode. You can check it out wherever you get your podcasts or here on YouTube. But talked about how Chris Archer was potentially an interesting option for the Orioles starting pitching-wise, who was still a free agent, was coming off injury, but obviously used to be good, pitched in the division with the Rays. But, you know, he was a guy who got signed. Minnesota signs him. The Twins get him on a one-year $3.5 million deal. Thought that would have been easy for the Orioles to do, but they didn't do it. So I talked about yesterday some of the other names, starting pitching-wise, who were still out there. And I keyed in on Johnny Cueto as being kind of the best option, but there were other guys I mentioned. And one of those guys was Jose Urania, who I thought, you know, he had some solid years in Miami with the Marlins and had kind of a bad year in Detroit last year with the Tigers. He's 30 years old, but I thought he might get a, you know, a very low money major league deal. He signs a minor league deal with the Milwaukee Brewers on Tuesday night. And, you know, Urania's numbers are really concerning in 2021 with the Tigers. And maybe he's kind of over the hill as a starting pitcher in major league baseball. I get that. But if he's only costing a minor league deal for a guy that's been in the majors for the past, you know, five, six, seven years, I feel like the Orioles would at least have opened the book on that one and looked into it a little bit. And it's surprising that they haven't brought in any other starting pitcher. Yes, I'm happy they brought in Jordan Lyles, but like at least one more veteran starter needs to come into camp like I talked about. And I thought maybe Urania could be that guy. It's not. Hopefully it's Johnny Cueto, but again, we will see what the Orioles want to do. And if they do make a move like that or a waiver claim or whatever it may be, we'll be back to talk about it on tomorrow's episode. But either way, we'll be back for tomorrow's episode. Two more episodes this week. We've also got Nathan Ruiz of the Baltimore Sun. He'll be joining us for Friday's episode to update us on everything happening down in Sarasota for the Orioles. But again, make sure to like uh, our videos here on YouTube, comment, and make sure to hit that red subscribe button. And also subscribe wherever you listen uh, in audio form as well. But again, we'll be back with more Orioles talk on tomorrow's episode. But until then, I'm Connor Newcomb, and this has been the Locked On Orioles podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team, every day.